0: so kind, staring out into space, asking God to hear my case, trying to think of all things past, how long will my memory
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, Lori LeBay. Um, Before we get started with our program today, which is really going to be a fun conversation, I have a wonderful co-host and a great guest, and uh, I I can't wait to get started. But we always have listeners that ask, you know, who are you and what the heck do you do and why do you do it? So I'm going to just take a minute and explain a little bit about Alzheimer's Speaks. Bottom line, Alzheimer's Speaks was created because my own mother had dementia for 30 years, and I wanted to be able to raise everyone's voice around the world and connect them to sources that could help them live well with dementia. And so Alzheimer's Speaks really is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to switch our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort. And we believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia – that we can remove stigmas and just let everybody breathe a little bit easier knowing that they're connected and that they're not alone and that there really truly are a lot of support services out there um, to be able to tap into. At our core, we also believe that collaboration is the only way we're going to win this battle against dementia, and I know it's working thanks to all of you. You see your likes, your clicks, your shares of all of our resources from the radio show to the blog to our YouTube channel, to our resource website, to the Dementia Chats uh, video conferencing that we do, every time you share that with your sphere of influence, and that might be Facebook, it might be LinkedIn, it might be um, Twitter Tribe, it might be your Pinterest peeps, you're pushing information out for for accessibility. And uh, there's so many people in our own spheres that are dealing with dementia that we don't even know about, um, and so it's important for them to see these resources so that they can grab a hold of them when they're ready because, as we know, we can't make anybody ready to deal with this disease or any, or any other disease. And, again, thanks to your likes, your clicks, and your shares, um, you got us recognized as the number one influencer online. According to ShareCare and Dr. Oz, And we were also recently um, recognized by Maria Shriver as an architect of change. And so, again, that wouldn't have happened without you. So both of those um, recognitions, you know, pat yourself on the back because you were all part of that um, right there with us. Now, some of you might not know that we are doing um, a cruise and a symposium November 11th through the 18th. And we would love for all of you to join us Um, But I am telling people to book now because we are filling up, and uh, we have just a great team of experts. We have four people living with dementia who will be on our panel, Uh, Lori Shear, who is going to be my co-host today, Michael Ellenbogen, um, Harry Urban, and Mary Reed. And then we also have um, Becky Watson, who's a music therapist, and Cindy Luzinski, who is heading up a dementia-friendly community in northern Colorado. And then our travel agent, we're so lucky, is a nurse and is very dementia-friendly herself. So check it out. All you have to do is go to alzheimerspeaks.com, and you can find more information about um, about the cruise and how to participate. It's for people with early memory loss and their families. Um, so we would love to have you join us. Now, first, I'm going to introduce my co-host today, who is Lori Scherer, and she is just a brilliant woman who has been living with dementia. I'm going to let her tell a little bit of her stories, but she is one of our strong voices on Dementia Chats, which are free video interviews that we do to get their insights um, as to living with the disease. So, Lori, um, thanks for joining us today. You want to give our audience a little background on yourself, please? sure and Lori, thank
2: you i'm so thrilled to be here with you and deborah i think it's been well over a year since we chatted together the last time so i'm so excited about this Um, i was diagnosed in 2013 at the age of 55 with early onset alzheimer's and ftd not like the flowers but frontotemporal degeneration Um, my husband and i work hard at trying to find strategies and techniques to Help me live a beneficial and happy life.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you, and I'm so excited you're going to be joining us on the cruise too. Um, now you're familiar with our guest today, who is Deborah Schaus, um, and she is she's been on our show a couple of times. She's a writer, a speaker, an editor, a former family caregiver, and she is a super dementia advocate. Her latest book is called "Connecting in the Land of Dementia." Creative activities to explore together, and it features dozen of experts in the field um, of creativity and dementia, and she shares all these innovative ideas that engage the creative spirit, so that people can continue to experience experience meaningful moments while they're connecting. So, welcome, Deborah.
0: Well, thank you, Lori, and thanks to the other Lori as I was. <laughs> Sitting here listening to your beautiful introduction, Lori LeBay, I was so inspired as I always am. And I love what you said about letting people breathe a little easier and this feeling of collaboration that we're all together. And the other Lori, who I got to meet on your show the last time I was on, and instantly fell in love with her and have talked to her several times and continue to learn from her. I'm so delighted to be in your presence again.
1: Great. Um, Deborah. can you share with us, you know, I I had mentioned in your intro that you were a family caregiver. Was that for a person with dementia? Um, Have you been touched by that in your own family or circle of friends?
0: Yes. Yes, I have. Um, My mom had dementia, and so she was my entry into this world and taught me so much, and it ended up being a very deep and spiritual journey for me, getting to see my mom through dementia, figuring out how to stay engaged with her, figuring out how to come to her instead of wishing she would come to me. And I learned so much about myself and my mom and my dad and my family. And that was good because then my partner Ron's dad got dementia and his mom at the very end of her life um, was living with dementia and um even though we would had a lot of experience every experience is totally different as you all know and you continue to grow and learn and i feel really lucky that i got to be really present for those people i loved during their journey and now i have friends who are living with dementia and really enjoying being in their presence and sharing as much of their journey as i can
1: Okay, wonderful. Thanks for giving people that background there. Why do you feel, Deborah, that it's so important for people to stay connected during this dementia journey?
0: I feel it's important for the person living with dementia and all his family, his or her family and friends, because um, you want to have, we all want to have love and relationships and meaning in our lives And I think people sometimes feel scared. They don't know what to say or do. They back away. And they're missing out when they do that. And I know that feeling of awkwardness can come. That was one reason I really wanted to write this book is because all these ideas in this book that focus in on creativity and imagination give people easy ways to stay connected when they don't know exactly what to do. And I just feel like I have gained so much from my experience um, with everyone I've met who's been living with dementia. I don't want people to miss out. I want us all to stay connected, as you said, to have an inclusive community where we all learn from each other regardless of our abilities or temporary inabilities.
1: Well, I, I agree with that so much, and, and it is something that I think people – they they dread because they're, they don't know how to communicate because there's been so much misinformation in terms of what this disease looks like. Um, you know, everyone thinking that it's end stage and inability to communicate. And I think one of the beautiful things that you learn while you're on this journey is that no matter where anybody is in any stage of life, there's still communication to be had. We just have to look for it in different ways. And... Um, and, you know, to me, it's it's just given me such life lessons that were amazing.
0: I I really agree with that, Lori. and you were one of the contributors to my book. And I, I loved, you know, the way you look at this. And one of the things you said that stayed with me is people tend to look at this subject as black or white. And it's all the colors of the rainbow. And when we can enter like that and appreciate different kinds of communications when our ordinary communications don't work. It's really fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we learn so much.
1: Yeah I think we go from the ordinary to extraordinary communications because not only are they are they different um, but they're so simplistic and they're in front of us all the time and we, we I think learn to take them for granted that we forget about them. And then when we reconnect on that level, there's such deeper communications. Anyways, that's what I found for myself personally. Yes,
0: I, I feel exactly the same way.
1: Yeah. Um, Lori, what are your thoughts about communication and people's perception of it?
2: I, I liked, um, I, I did read your book, Deborah, as you know, and I absolutely loved it. And I, in particular, love that it brought the two of you together because it's got Lori quoted in it over and over again. But in there, um, <laughs> yeah, it was a great combination. I'll tell you, um, Connecting, connect with and bring the person out um, and engage in stimulating activities. I think that includes with communication, too. Um, a lot of times people are afraid to communicate with us because we have dementia and we, as people with dementia are afraid to communicate because we're afraid we're gonna say something stupid or we're gonna repeat ourselves. Or like I've done a couple of things, ask, how's your dad? Well, dad passed away four years ago. Um, you know, and you're, you're afraid of saying something embarrassing or whatever, but communication is key. And learning to deal with each other to communicate, I think is just so, so important, but it is a connection
1: process. Definitely. You
0: know, Lori, well, I think that was something really powerful you just said about being afraid to make a mistake and wanting to shut down. And I, I saw that in my mom when she was going through. And I wonder if you have any um, advice for how people around you can really welcome um, your anything you say you know in advance how they can help make how we can all help each other feel really safe when we talk
2: I think <laughs> pardon me I think um, part of it comes from the heart and knowing mm. that you can you can feel comfortable with the person um, people will say to me if I forget a word um, people will often say well do you want me to fill in the word for you or should I just be quiet? I say, "No." No, help me fill in because I feel stupid when I can't get the word to come out. So help me if I can't come up with the right word, help me out there. Um, the other thing is, if I say something like, um, how is your dad? Don't remind me that dad passed away years ago and that I forgot. It's it, it's not really, you don't need to remind the person that they said mm-hmm. something stupid because last time I did that was in front of a group of people, and I, I, I just slithered away. I was so humiliated, and that's a horrible way to feel because then you do want to shut down. So if people say something wrong, unless it's something
1: that has to be corrected, let it go. Mm-hmm. I, I really think and this is really it- beautiful. I really think this disease is all about um, teaching us to be more accepting and that things aren't perfect. And and that's one of my biggest, I think, frustrations just in personal life and business as well is that everybody thinks everything has to be that it's right or wrong, that it's black or white. And we have these um, standards of perfection. And we lose so much by trying to hold on to that because it really, it doesn't exist. You know, none of us are perfect. None of us have all the answers, and you know we're just fooling ourselves, and we're we're tying into this. Um, I almost call it like a, a negative energy. Um, even though I know most people see perfection as being real positive, I see it as being really negative. I see all the stress that it adds to people. I see the procrastination um, that instills in people because they're so afraid of failure. And I don't think Mm. we should ever view our relationships as a failure. You know, I don't think we should ever give up on them. And I think that's one of the things that I see come into play is that people have this great fear of not knowing how to connect or failing at a connection or not being enough or not feeling valued because they've been taught they're valued in certain ways. And instead of looking at Expanding that, they shrink it, and and then everybody, so well every, said, everybody withers, and um, and so that's one of the things that I really love about your book. It really, and in all of your your life's work, is really about engaging in joy and um, throwing the other stuff aside, learning to play again, um, learning to be real again, learning to be authentic, learning to even. You know, look at yourself and say, what makes me happy? Because most people don't even, they're afraid, to, they're afraid to ask that question because of what they might yeah. find out. And
0: Well, you know, talking about that, I wonder if it's a good moment to tell you all a little bit about this laughter yoga training that I just had because this has started giving me great joy, and I think it's a wonderful way to connect I think it's perfect time. Perfect time. Okay, good. So I got interested. I learned about laughter yoga when I was writing the book. And I interviewed Dr. Madan Kataria, who is the founder of the Laughter Yoga Movement, which is now in 106 countries. And what really struck me when I was talking to him, he laughed more naturally during our conversation than any other adult I'd ever talked to. And he told me that since he'd started laughing 10 years ago, he had not been sick. He never had a cold, anything. So I was really interested. And so I've been, you know, practicing adding more laughter into my life. And what laughter yoga is, there's no yoga postures like you might think when you hear the word yoga. Mm -hmm. But there is some breathing, there's gentle gestures, and then there's what they call intentional laughter, So what Dr. Kataria discovered, he was looking for a way to have more laughter in his life. And he started meeting with friends in a park and telling jokes, and that lasted about one week. And then the jokes dried up. (laughs) So he researched the science of laughter and discovered that intentional laughter is every bit as powerful as regular laughter that comes from a joke. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so he started creating these ways to help make ourselves laugh. And the benefits are marvelous. They are—they boost your immune system. They reduce blood pressure. They give you a feeling of connection. They lift your spirits. And the other thing is you are totally present in the moment when you are laughing. So mm-hmm. it's this real feel of joy and connection. So um, last week, Ron and I went to Ferryville, Wisconsin and took laughter yoga leader training with a wonderful teacher named Robert Rivest and learned more about laughing and how to do it. And since we've been home, we've been over to see one of my friends who's living with dementia and we spent some time laughing with her. And yesterday we went to see another friend and we laughed with her and we laughed with my family over the weekend. And I tell you what, it is just plain fun. Mm-hmm. So one of the things about it is it's something it's a way to lift your own personal spirits during the day of just taking a few minutes and saying you know I'm going to laugh for 30 seconds or just doing a back and forth where I say ha and you guys go ha and I say ha ha Mm -hmm. and you guys go ha ha ha." (laughs) and we go back and forth just like that to get a little laughter going or substitute the words for a song with ha ha so ha 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 <laughs> and soon you're laughing and i love this this is because it's a tool that anybody can do mm-hmm. and it's really fun and easy so i want to share that with you guys because um i think it's going to become an important part of my life
1: well that's good Lori. have you done any laughter yoga yourself
2: I have not, but I was very anxious to see how Deborah liked it, um, because I had heard she was going to go through it, so I was anxious to see how she liked it, and uh, I'm anxious to to find out where we can find that. How do you go about finding a laughter yoga class?
0: Well, that's a really good question. Um, The person who taught me travels around and does this, and his name is Robert Rivest, You can also just go to laughteryoga.org, and they have laughter clubs all over the place. So you can even type in U.S. laughter clubs. They have Skype laughter clubs, they have telephone laughter clubs, and they have in-person
2: laughter clubs. And now for people with dementia, the Skype laughter is, is uh, probably the way we, we tend to go because many of us don't drive or drive very little.
0: Yeah, and that and that's a good way to do it. And the ones we've um, been to, Lori, have been you just like put in your Skype number, you get on a list, and then suddenly there's people laughing, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so you're you're just you see you know different people are panned to, and you're all just laughing together. That's
2: pretty fun. So it's
0: it's it's really fun, um, and there's all kinds of little exercises you can do and, and later on I can share some of those with you you know just simple things to bring it in more it was interesting yesterday after we left with my friend Liz she said I think my brain fog has cleared a little bit so that was really exciting oh, to wow. hear that
1: that's very cool that's very Good. cool. yeah I have a, a doctor friend Dale Anderson here in Minnesota who um, does a lot of laughter yoga and, um, he's very creative and, um, does a lot of, does a lot of fun things. Um, and he just swears by it, you know, and he's a medical doctor by training and is retired now, but he just, you know, he says our, our genes aren't our destiny. And he talks about the chemistry changes in the body that occur when we laugh. And, um, you know just all the little stuff that we that we forget about that is just critical um, to our being. and so um it's it's a it's a very interesting and I think very important thing for all of us to to learn to partake in and um and realize, you know, I mean, just if we sit back and think, you know when you've had that good hard belly laugh with friends or if it's a silly TV show or whatever just yeah. how you feel relaxed you feel more centered you feel that just that tension kind of leaves your body and you know we know stress and, and and tension isn't good for us it creates a lot of difficulties on a lot of different levels and so I mean if we just think of that in that those simple terms of releasing some stress and um, feeling more centered who doesn't want that <laughs> you know yeah. it's very true and and we all know how to laugh, so it's not something that we even have to learn, you know. We just we just have to apply it, and it doesn't have to be something You're, you have to do all day long, you know. But
0: It's too tiring to do all day long. <laughs> <laughs> but it but it's fun to do more of. You know, I love what you said earlier about play. You know that we we need that time to be playful, mm-hmm. and this this is certainly helps inspire that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Very, very important. Very important. Um, well, I want to talk, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. And um, so let's, let's move on a little bit in terms of talking about the role creativity and expression, expressive arts can really play um, in continuing, you know, our connectiveness with one another. Can you give some people some ideas um, that you learned in your, in your book as you were writing that and, and what you can share with others?
0: Yes, i it was one of the many inspiring parts of writing the book is just hearing from person after person who um, were dedicated to working with people who are living with dementia through different creative arts how um, inherently creative and imaginative people who are dealing with memory loss can be, um, sometimes even more creative than they were before they had memory loss and how um, that is even when the brain isn't functioning at its highest level that's a beautiful way to be connecting and so all kinds of easy examples looking at art one thing i was really interested in learning is that looking at art is not a passive activity Mm -hmm. it is an activity that really is engaging and there was a study that said that looking at a beautiful piece of art releases the same feel-good endorphins that being in love release.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and so the idea of looking at a piece of art together, either from a book or going online, and then asking open-ended questions and just exploring, you know, what does that remind you of? and Where do you think they're going? And what do you think about that color blue? Any kinds of questions um, to engage each other and give yourself the pleasure of thinking about art together. Mm
1: -hmm. That was
0: one really um, something that I really enjoyed learning about. (laughs) Another, of course, is music and the power of music. And how, I mean, we all know how music can just instantly transport us back to a feeling and a time and place. And that's what Dan Cohen based his Music and Memory program on, which is now spread around the world. And the simple concept of us each, each of us having a playlist of favorite songs, songs that have a good feeling, a meaning attached to them and being able to listen to those songs and and listen with headsets so the outside noise of the world is excluded and just those songs are speaking to us and so that's another lovely way um conductor size is something really fun That I've enjoyed doing. It's Maestro David Dworkin created this when he retired from being a conductor. And it's very simple. You can take your fingers, you can take a pencil, you can take chopsticks, and you are conducting. symphony orchestra or if you like rock and roll you are conducting the beatles singing their songs whatever music you like you're moving your arms you're moving your body in whatever way you want and having that feeling of power that you're conducting the music so that's another way Uh, Lori. i know you love gardening and i think that's a beautiful way to stay connected one of the people I got to talk to was Gareth Chalfront, who's an expert in dementia-friendly gardens, and he, you know, really said the outdoors is so important to all of us, and many times people who are living with dementia lose some of their ability to be outdoors, and he was really encouraging people, if you can't go outdoors, to bring the outdoors inside. hmm And so one example of that is a couple friends of mine who were really avid bird watchers. And then when he could no longer, um, you know, stand for long periods of time and had other issues due to his dementia, they moved their living room furniture around. So they had an open area by the windows. They put a bird bath, a bird feeder They got their bird books, their binoculars, and they birdwatched from inside. And they had their hot mug of coffee that they always had. You know, they had everything they always had, except they were indoors instead of being out. And I love that kind of creativity.
1: that's wonderful. Lori, what are your thoughts on on that type of transformation to still be inclusive, but just in a different fashion?
2: Well, I've, I've told my husband from the day I was diagnosed that if it comes to the point he can't handle me anymore, just build a cage in the backyard and let me stay outside. <laughs> Give me some shade, maybe, but you know, because uh, I am definitely an outdoor person. I I wait for I wait for the sun to shine like it is today, and tomorrow I'll be outside as much as possible um so i think it it is important in my case um if you locked me indoors i would that would just make me positively positively miserable so it's it's important to understand what what that person what the person needs and debbie i think in your in your book you brought out a lot of different things um a lot of different points about um engaging with them and interacting with them and in the case of the bird watcher for me that that would be me like if i can't be outdoors at least put me right near a window Mm i think that's uh that's so important the music um knowing what my music is and not forcing me to listen to your music um is is also a good one
1: yeah i and Oh, go ahead, Deborah. I was um, uh,
0: Lori the other Lori, I think I think you mentioned one time that you you know have your really good headsets, and that sometimes even when you're you know in a big family gathering, you use music to kind of calm and your personal music to calm and steady you. Am I remembering that correctly?
2: That's correct. I have three different types of music. Um, I have the music that I listen to. This one I'm, you know, working around the house, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I have the music that I listen to when I'm when I'm first going downhill, and then I have the basic classical music that just totally puts me in a quiet zone. And in fact, most of it is uh, with rivers and brooks and birds tweeting and with music to it. Uh, it's the nature type CDs. Um, and those those all serve a different purpose in my in my dealing with dementia, as to what I need to listen to. Um, when I'm already having problems dealing with my my cognitive impairment, I don't want my upbeat, loud, or louder mm-hmm. music. I need the quiet, the calm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: calm my soul.
1: Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, we. We all need that, and why, why we forget about those those simple pleasures, <laughs> it just it always blows me away because um, but we get in this, I think crisis state of thinking everything has to be different, everything has to be new instead of relying on what's always worked for us, and looking at the, the yeah. common threads versus the the differences. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I,
0: I love that it reminds me of. When I was sort of in the middle of caring for my mom, I made myself a list of 10 things that make me happy because I could not remember, just like you said earlier, Lori, I could not remember what was making me happy. And so I had my list of 10 things that I kept in my pocket and then all I had to do was remember to take it out and look at it and do something. And they were all, you know, really simple, phone a friend, go outside, that always, makes me happy, mm-hmm. eat a piece of dark chocolate, read a page <laughs> of a book, you know, just little things. But you're, you're right, and your music idea, Laurie, is so beautiful. And I love the way you mentioned the bird song and the rivers. And, you know, one of the stories in the book that I just love is from uh, Claire Craig in the U.K., and it's the story of um, this family, um, husband and wife, creating a beach in their back porch. And they are miles from the beach, but they have the sound of rolling ocean waves on the CD. They have a beach umbrella. They have beach chairs. They have the sunscreen that they used long ago when they were first falling in love. And they have a little container of sand. And they have their regular picnic lunch that they used to take to the beach. And so even though they're inland they have created this atmosphere and I think you know Laurie has touched on you can do so much with sound and aromas and tactile
2: mm-hmm.
0: experiences to really create an atmosphere that you love that's pleasing to you
1: yeah, very true Um, Now, Deborah, can you give us some other ideas? You've given us some great ideas of bringing the the outdoors in, but what are some other easy ideas to brighten up visits when when you're together with uh, maybe a friend or loved one with dementia? One of the things
0: that um, I've been doing both um, when I'm in person but I'm also doing this over the telephone with a friend of mine is from the Alzheimer's Poetry Project, Gary Glasner, call and response poetry. This is something that is fun and easy to do. And I will say it is surprisingly relaxing for both people. So uh, for me and my friend, who I'm doing this on the telephone, we went to high school together. So I know the kinds of poems she grew up with. Mm -hmm. So I will get a poem like The Raven, and I will just say, once, you know, tell her, hey, let's do this poem together. So I go, once upon a midnight dreary. And then we both say it again, once upon a midnight dreary. While I pondered weak and weary, I will say. And then we both say it together. So we're, I'm saying the first line, and we're both repeating it. So nobody has to remember anything. But the rhythm of the poem is there, and the visual imagery of the poem and then we can take a break we can talk about the poem um, whatever it brings up for us sometimes it brings up another poem Um, my friend remembered a Shakespearean sonnet I didn't even know but luckily I was at my computer and she said just a few words and I didn't know what she was talking about, but I typed it in. And it was the first line to a sonnet. So I read that to her in Colin response. So it's something really meaningful and easy to do when you're co- together. And it's a nice way to bring up um, different kinds of conversation.
2: I think if also... You, I, I'm sorry. Yes. If I could interject, you, you brought up the important point here um i've had people come and visit me and think that we're going to sit and talk and that gets very hard for me because that takes a lot of concentration after a while Um, i have a friend that comes to visit me about three times a year and every time she comes she brings something for us to do the last time we made button bracelets and she helped me make sure I I knew what to do, helped me work through it, and we sat and made button breast bracelets. So we were together, but I didn't feel like I wasn't exhausted after she left like I am with other people. Mm-hmm. When people just come and they want to sit and talk for an hour or two hours, whatever, it is very tiring. But having any kind of activity the poem or whatever, um is that's just awesome to do
0: well i'm so glad you said that and you know what i really agree i think it gives you first of all it's just fun to be creative with somebody and as adults we don't get to do it that often so i love a chance Uh, you mentioned doing an art project my friend vicky who's living with early-onset dementia, is always doing art projects, and that's one of her ways she has meaning to her life. She has adopted a homeless women's shelter, so she makes jewelry. And so sometimes when we go over there, she guides me into doing the art projects, and I'm not too good at that. Last time I got to guide her into laughter yoga, so it was so mutual. But I love what you're saying, Lori, and I think it's really enriching when we get to go beyond our ordinary relationship with each other and expand and bring in that creative imaginative part of ourselves that we don't get to play with that much you know i think um as i you know we talked about looking at art that's something i think is really fun together The time slips project of just kind of brainstorming storytelling where you look at an image And you just ask yourself questions, like an image of um, Lino Ann um, Basting got started with this. She brought an image of the Marlboro Man to a group. And that's a tough looking cowboy type guy, used to be smoking a cigarette. And she said, "Uh, who do you think this guy is? And somebody said, well, I think his name is Fred. (laughs) And she said, what's his last name? And somebody else said, Astaire. So they had Fred Astaire. And then just brainstorming anything, all answers are right it's something really fun to do together where you're, you don't have to worry. Nobody has to worry about making a mistake and you're creating something brand new in the world.
1: Yeah. And and there's, like you said, there's no right or wrong. It's just, you know, all answers are right. And, um, Mm -hmm. and add to the twists and turns of life. And, you know, I've been to some of those um, workshops where they've done the, the poetry and things and, it's amazing the giggles um, that you hear from the crowd. I mean, they're just thrilled to be part of this. And, again, it's not about right or wrong. It it just spurs them on to think in a different fashion. And, um, and they're having a blast doing it. And, <laughs> and that's the way it should be, you know. That's really the way it should be, um, where people don't have to worry. Um, none of us should have to worry what what rolls out of our mouth all the time. You know, and, and that's
0: right. Over. And what, what I love about it is the benefits are great for everyone. So, you know, doing art and, or something creative music, it soothes us all. It's good for our health. It re, You know, Laura, you talked about stress. It reduces stress and it makes us, helps us feel connected to that creative part of ourselves that we sometimes have to stuff away. So, um, there are more and more studies coming out that this is this is really good for everyone's um mental, emotional, and spiritual health
1: mm-hmm. agree definitely agree um Deborah, I also wanted to talk to you about um travel tips, and you know if you have anything for that because a lot of times you know i mean when we're traveling, you know, things can get delayed, and do you have activities or just tips in general that you think are are good for people to consider when they're on the move?
0: Well, I have a few, and then I've been learning a lot from you and Lori lately, too, about this. But um, I'll start with, I was just thinking of a time where my mom and dad and I, we went to Atlanta for my cousin's wedding. My mom was just having a really hard time at that point. And that meant my dad was too. And so we, my mom and dad and I were all staying in the same hotel. And when it came time to go to my cousin's wedding, my dad said, you go, you know, I don't think your mom can take it. I'm not up for it. And I just looked at my dad and he looked so sad and frail. And I thought, I am not leaving my parents because I am actually here to be with my parents and kind of whither they go, I'm going to go. So I called my cousin and explained things to her. And we had an absolutely lovely evening together. And that was another of my lessons is about flexibility. Mm -hmm. So to have a plan and be willing to change it, and I am so grateful that I was willing to change the plan and spent that evening with my parents. And it was as though the minute um, I said, I'm sane and we don't need to go, my dad relaxed, my mom got playful, we had an amazing time together. So that is one tip. I know Lori has talked to me a lot about Planning, I have another friend who travels extensively with her husband who's living with dementia, and just like the two of you have said to me about you know travel anywhere just widens your world and to keep it going as long as you can and so my friend Elizabeth and her husband Charlie do a lot of traveling together, and she makes sure that they try to travel at times of day that are best for him. She takes his music. She scopes out any new place with him so they feel comfortable. And she also leaves herself open. So if they have a plan and she can see neither one of them are feeling like doing it, she can change it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The cool thing about them is he, he was living with dementia when they met each other. But she didn't know it. And once they fell in love, he didn't know how to tell her. And so she found out from looking at the Alzheimer's website. And he planned a whole trip to San Francisco for her with the help of a friend so he could propose to her. Mm. And so it's just um example of love. And I know, Laura, you talk a lot about how you you and your husband are such a team together. It's really nice when we can all help each other make our dreams come true. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you two are doing with this cruise that's coming up of really putting together something really magical and special that's going to be so fun and healing and informational.
1: Yeah, it's pretty exciting. We're telling people now to to book up. We're getting so much interest, and if they want to make sure that they can be part of this because we've got limited space, you know, um, for the symposium and stuff. And uh, it's just been amazing, the outpour of interest um, for this. But a lot of people think that, oh, you know, I've got plenty of time. It's not till November, but we really need to get people booked up um, for those who really want to go because, A, we have to plan for all of this stuff, but, B, we want to make sure that those who really want to be there are able to be there, and in um, and part of this with us, that's just a critical, critical piece that we want to make sure is is uh, available to them. And um, we're very, very excited about this. Um, Lori, would you have anything you want to add on the on the cruise there?
2: Just really excited. Um, I can't wait. I think it's going to be fun. First off, for us to finally meet each other. Um mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, Lori, how long have we been talking? Three years, maybe? Yep. So to be able to meet Harry and and Mary and uh, some of the other people that we've talked to for so long, just be able to meet face to face and just give a big bear hug, you know, Uh, (laughs) that's the, the people in the dementia world have become a second family um you learn to depend on them to talk to them to cry with them so it's just going to be it's going to be awesome um a tip on traveling that that I learned and I don't remember Deborah if I shared this one with you or not um I went on Amazon and bought these hanger hooks that you hang from a hanger and most of us will wear one pair of pants a couple times but a shirt or blouse maybe only once I put a pair of pants on the hanger and then from the hook, I hang three blouses. Oh. Um, and then I also have uh, in a plastic bag goes all my, my underwear, my socks, whatever. And so when I go to get dressed in the morning, all I have to do is pick which pair of pants and which shirt, but everything is coordinated so that I can, it doesn't matter, kind of like geranimals. Remember geranimals mm-hmm. where you match up the animals Yep. for kids? <laughs> um, well, That's I kind of do my, <laughs> I do my clothes like the Dranimals. I have one hanger with one pair of pants, three tops and the underwear, and it, it all will go together no matter what happens. First off, it makes it very easy. When I get to wherever I'm going, I take my hanger, I hang it up. Everything's there for me. Um, takes away so much stress and confusion in the morning and trying to make that decision if it's already ready for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's just a brilliant, a brilliant tip that you share with people Um, because, you know, decisions uh, get complicated with this disease and uh, to have that taken out of the equation and to know, you know, this is, I don't have to do that. I just know that this is, this will be right and I will look fabulous and let's get on with the day. You know, I I just think that that's really a, a great thing that you've come up with and, um, and are sharing with people regarding travel. Um, or
2: keeps you from showing up with white pants and purple polka dotted underwear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we've all done it, and we've all done it. You know, <laughs> I remember going to a, a Rotary meeting. I think it was a Rotary meeting, and I I got dressed in the dark. And I, you know, we were all introducing ourselves, and there I stood with one blue shoe and one brown and somebody said i will never forget you and i said why and they're like because of your shoes and i'm like what well, why they're nothing special and she says they are today <laughs> oh, you know i love
2: it yep yeah i showed up on a trip where i where i totally forgot to take any pants with me so i had the pair of pants i had on and i was going to be gone a week mm-hmm. um i just totally forgot to pack any pants so Now, uh, we kind of make sure we do as much of that ahead of time as possible and keep it organized and simple. So if I am not, if I am confused in the morning, uh, it's very easy. Mm -hmm. And plus, Roy knows Roy's not real good at matching my clothes either. So it's also easier for him because if I'm confused, he knows what matches. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Well, that's great. That's great. Um, Deborah, we're, I can't believe we're almost running out of time here. Is there anything else that you I want know. to share with our audience at all?
0: Well, uh, first I just want to thank you both for um, having me as your guest. And what I, I think your many of your listeners will already know but feel again as I am, is the richness that we can all experience when we have friends and connections with people of all differing abilities. And people who are living with dementia is bring us a gift that we can get no other place. And I feel very grateful that I am continuing to get those gifts and continuing to feel um, connected and enriched and inspired and educated. And so I think it comes circles back around to one of the things Lori was saying about perfection. And it's okay to be awkward. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to not know the perfect thing to say, but to just ask for help or guidance and advice so you can keep your dear relationships with those you love.
1: Yeah. And that's great advice. And I mean, I just, you know, if, if you, If you feel like it's not a failure, it's just, it's just part of life. I mean, we all need help at different times. Mm -hmm. And if we would, if we would get rid of the worry and the fear and the judgment and just accept one another, how, gosh, how much easier life would be for all of us, you know, know. and and right now we really need a a nicer place to live, you know, (laughs) because there's a lot of judgment and goofiness going on right now. And so I guess I've said this for years, but I I truly do believe dementia is here to teach us some great, great life lessons that we've lost Mm -hmm. along the way. Um, Lori, do you have anything else that you'd like to share? I think the joy of
2: Alzheimer's Speaks Radio and our radio chats uh, with other people with dementia and the joy of the cruise is learning from each other so we can stay more independent. I think I've heard both of you quote Montessori, everything you do for me, you take away from me mm-hmm. by learning how to cope and how to live more productively with dementia, learning from each other, uh, to allowing us to stay more independent instead of, of giving up our, our dependent independence to, to care partners. So mm-hmm. the learning that, that is going to happen on the cruise and happens all the time on your shows, Lori, I think is is so important and I thank you for that.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, I'd like to um, have you both uh, go ahead and give some contact information out um, if you wouldn't mind. Um, Deborah, what's the best way for people to reach you?
0: Yeah, well, I have a blog that I write every week. In fact, the cruise was just your travel tips, Lori. We're just featured on there. And the other Lori, I'm going to be featuring her ideas in the next several weeks, and it's Org. I've got a, many resources and many creative ideas. Love to share that with people. And then I'll share my email. Um, it's my, M-Y, info, I-N is in Nancy, F as in Frank O. At pobox.com, and finally, uh, my book "Connecting in the Land of Dementia: Creative Activities to Explore Together" is—I um, hope—a wonderful tool for people, and it can be found at your favorite independent bookstore or online. Love to share that with anybody.
1: Wonderful, thank you. And Lori, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you?
2: You can visit my website, which is Dementia Days. That's Dementia, D-A-Z-E, dot com. Or my email is DementiaDays at gmail.com.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, ladies, for your time today. I, I so appreciate it. And I really do hope that people will um, check out Deborah's uh, books, Both Connecting in the Land of Dementia, The Creative Activities to Explore Together, as well as Love in the Land of Dementia, Finding Hope in the Caregiver's Journey. And Lori's um, blog has so much great information, and she's got some wonderful videos regarding sign language that might be of help, um, as well as some other great tips, too. For those of you who are new to the Alive and Social Network, you might want to check out What's for Dinner Tonight. It's with Rachel Perrin, who's the Culinary Director for Kowalski's Market. And their podcast is only about 10 to 15 minutes, but it's great if you're hungry and trying to figure out what the heck's for dinner. They also have a wonderful uh, seasonal um, menu uh, suggestions on their website, uh, kowalskis.com. That's K-O-W-A-L-S-K-I-S dot com. And don't forget, join us if you can on our Dementia Friendly uh, Symposium and cruise. November 11th through the 18th. Just go to alzheimerspeaks.com and you will see all of the information. We would love to have you join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, as far as the radio show here, all of our shows are archived. We've been doing this for six years. So if you need some tips um, and want to hear some great conversations, you can you know, just go to Speaks Radio. Um, And, um, again, you can get that link from the alzheimerspeaks.com website right on the home page. It'll lead you right to it. I am also going to be doing some previews of his neighbor, Phil. I will be in Woodbury, Minnesota on the 20th at St. Teresa Senior Living. And then on the 23rd, I'm going to be out in Ellsworth, Wisconsin. In June, I will be going out to um, Seattle, and we're going to be previewing that with Leading Age. Um, What else can I tell you? Oh, the blog. I did a a post about my mom and how she's inspired many, and if you want a good chuckle, you'll see some bad hair days of our family on that one. Uh, There's also a link to Deborah's um, article, um, Widening the World Through Travel. Um, With that, I'm going to go ahead and close. You guys have a wonderful week, and we'll talk soon. Remember, keep in mind when you're visiting, are they safe? Are they happy? Are they pain-free? And your interaction will just go much easier. Bye now. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show.